Mark chapter 6. Just a reminder as we uh, get into the Word of God this morning, um, I'm thinking about Ephesians 3.19. It says there, uh, Paul is talking about why he is uh, sharing all this knowledge with the Ephesians, and he says that his goal is that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And as we think about what Christ wants to do in our lives, what God wants to do in our lives, he wants to fill us up with all that he has, both our minds with all the knowledge of Christ, our um, emotions with all the love and the peace and the joy of Christ, and our souls with being as much like Christ as we can be. And so as we get into the Word this morning and, and every Sunday morning, we want to desire that we would be filled with all the fullness of Christ. As we uh, look in Mark chapter 6 this morning, uh, we're going to start in 30 and read down through 44. It says there, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not have that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, "Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest." So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them, gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets or 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. This is the word of the Lord. So we're talking about uh, finances this morning and financial struggles and what God is asking of us. And we want to start in verse 37. And it says there, after uh, they had told Jesus that he should send all the people away, in verse 37, Jesus answers and says, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give to them to eat? If you have your sermon outline this morning, we're going to start with the problem, and that's this. God is asking from us financially something we don't have the ability to fulfill, something we don't have the ability to fulfill. So as we look at this passage this morning in verse 37, Jesus 
very plainly here asked them to do something that they don't have the ability to fulfill. He wants them to give all those people something to eat, and as they say, it would take a half year's wages. And oftentimes in our Christian lives today, whether it's personally or as the church, Jesus asked something similar. Um, there may be an idea that comes up uh, for the church. There's a ministry that's proposed and we're thinking about doing a particular thing, but within church life, one way to absolutely kill it and, and generally nobody will question is just to say this, we don't have the money to do that. And that's it. We don't have the money to do it. And so we're done. There's no way that we're going to do that. Within our own personal lives, there's something similar. We may start feeling led to, to uh, give to a particular cause or to give a certain amount to somebody. But then we look at our checkbook and we don't have that much money. And so we say, well, we don't have the money. And that's it. It's done. There's no reason to, to discuss it any further. And yet here Jesus, as we look at verse 37, he tells them to do something that they don't have the ability to fulfill. And them saying, we don't have that much money was not a stopping point because Jesus intended to do something that was bigger than what they had the resources to bring about. And so what we want to talk about this morning as we dig down through this passage is why exactly God would have us to do that and how he sometimes wants to stretch us when it comes to our finances. Now, why would God want to do that before we get into the points that are on the outline? As we look at what he has to say there, um, first of all, he, he wants us to do it because it pushes us to deeper levels of trust. When we go beyond what we have, the resources to handle ourselves, it forces us to trust in him. It forces us to step out in faith that he's going to come through for us. And so if we're going to have a deeper level of trust, it requires that you actually trust him and step out in a way where he has to come through for you. The other thing it does, too, is it gives us the opportunity to be part of the joy of seeing God move in a, in a mighty way. And so as we have that opportunity, he wants to have us step out in faith, believing that as he comes through for us, we not only will have more trust, we'll also have more joy. So as we look down through this passage, I want to pull out five things that we can uh, understand from here in terms of what exactly um, um, God may be up to when it comes to this type of issue. Um, what do we do? Uh, how do we handle this type of a situation? Verse 38, let's start there. He says in response to the fact that they say they don't have enough uh, food, enough bread to go around, in verse 38, Jesus asks, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. So how do we do this in our situation? The first thing is this, start with what you do have. Start with what you do have. So oftentimes as we think about um, the resources that we have and the need to be generous to the kingdom of God, what we do is something like this. If I ever win the lottery, I'm going to be so generous to the kingdom. If I ever inherit a million dollars from my uncle, I'm going to be so generous to the kingdom. But with what I have right now, I can't really be that generous to the kingdom because I don't have that much. And you'll notice there that Jesus starts with what they actually have on hand. They have five uh, loaves of bread and two fish. And so they start with that. And we need to understand, especially in light of the idea of Jesus pushing us to trust him beyond what we have the ability to do ourselves, we need to understand that he is asking us 
to step out and do things for him when he when we feel that leading from the holy spirit he's asking us to do that not because we have everything but oftentimes because we don't have everything and yet he desires to use us in a way that is beyond what we think we have the capacity to bring about and so this morning if we sit there and we say well you know I, I'm, I'm barely making it so god couldn't do anything financially through me in terms of blessing somebody else no that's not true the, the fact that we just barely have enough to get by doesn't mean that God doesn't want to start moving in our finances and moving to use what we do have to be able to make a difference in people's lives. And so we need to understand that God wants to start with what we do have and then move forward from that. Not something we're going to have in 20 years or something if we'd win the lottery or whatever. God wants to start with what we actually have. It makes me think of a story I heard years ago and I think I may have told you guys this story before of the, the preacher who got up and he preached an incredible sermon about giving to the kingdom of God. And, and as he was, a, it was a rural church. And as everybody was leaving, there was this one pig farmer that was walking on the way out. And he goes, preacher, that sermon inspired me so much. If I had a hundred pigs, I'd give 50 to the Lord. And the preacher said, well, what if you had 50 pigs? And he said, if I had 50 pigs, I'd give 25 to the Lord. He said, what if you had 10 pigs? If I had 10 pigs, I'd give five to the Lord. That was that great of a message. And finally, the fellow said, well, what if you had two pigs? And he said, well, if I had two pigs, I'd give, wait a second, preacher, you know I only got two pigs. <laughs> and that's what we do. We may not have a ton, but we need to understand that what we have, even if it's just a little bit, God can use. Here they just have a little bit, but they trusted God, and Jesus was able to bring great things about. We need to start with what we do have. Second thing. Second thing, looking down in 39 and 40, we continue and it says, Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. The second thing is this, know that you don't have to fill everyone's needs. Don't know that you don't have to fill everyone's needs. I think it's an interesting little detail there. and and. For most people, they just kind of skip over that verse. But I think it's worth thinking about for a second that as Jesus has them all go sit down, in verse 40, that little detail there, he, they, he has them sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And so as he sends the disciples out with what little that they had to go and feed this enormous group, so, you know, there's a group there, and there's a group there, and there's a group there. They're, they're divided up. And so each disciple probably went to one particular group or maybe two groups, and he would feed them, and then... As they went from there, they were able to get through all the groups that needed fed. And as we think about, to go back to what we said a moment ago, our lack of resources, we think, well, you know, the, the world is just so big and there's so many needs and, and I'm just one person and I don't have a, a billion dollars to be able to give. And so what good is it if I just have this little bit? And we need to understand this morning that God is in charge of the big picture and we're in charge with what he puts in front of us. And so if we understand that there may be a ton of need all around the world on a whole bunch of different issues, but God has put one person in front of us. Maybe there's a neighbor that's going through a time of need and we can go and help them. Maybe there's a coworker that's a single mom and she's struggling and we can help them. We're not in charge of helping everybody in the entire world. We're in charge of helping who Jesus puts in front of us today. And so as we do that, we need to understand there, as the disciples went out, each of them just did their group, and they were able through that to be able to take care of all the people. As we go out and, and see the needs that are in front of us, we just need to help who Jesus puts in front of us. There's that old story about 
um, there was a, a, a tide that had brought in onto a beach a ton, just hundreds and hundreds of starfish. And the, this couple was walking down the beach and there was this guy that was picking up the starfish and throwing them back in the ocean one at a time. And as they were walking down the beach, they looked at the guy watching for a second. And, you know, he keeps throwing them in, but there's hundreds and hundreds more. And, and finally, the, the husband spoke up. And he said, what good do you think you're doing in throwing those back? Look how many more there are. And he picked out another one and threw it back in the ocean. He said, it made a difference for that one. And within our lives, we are called to make a difference for that one. Whoever the one is that God puts in front of us. Don't hold back and say, well, I don't need to do anything because I can't fix everything. God's in charge of everything. We're in charge of who he puts in front of us. Third thing. The third thing is uh, in verse 41. Verse 41 says this. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. The third thing is that we need to give everything to Jesus. We need to give everything to Jesus. So look at what verse 41 says there. It says, taking the five loaves, they had brought the the, uh, the items to Jesus, and then Jesus taking the five loaves and the two fish. If we go back up earlier into verse 38, it's the exact same number. They had five loaves and two fish. So they came and they gave everything to Jesus. And this, this is an important idea that we need to hold on to, and it's not very popular, and in fact, we don't like it. But, but it's, when it comes to our finances, it's something that that we need to understand. So let me back up just a little bit and talk about it for a second. When we, um, when we receive Christ into our lives, salvation is free. It, it's a gift of God. And yet, even as we receive that in, we know that we were bought with a price. And therefore, what do we owe to Jesus? Our entire lives, amen? And so we understand that we owe Jesus our entire lives. And that's not just um, what I do on Sunday morning, but it's what I do with my entire life, including my finances. And one of the uncomfortable truths that we understand from the scripture is that I am as a Christian because I owe everything to Jesus. My finances, I'm a steward of my finances and everything, including not just 10% of my income, but all of my income, everything belongs to Jesus. Now, we don't like that because most of us want to give maybe 10%. Maybe we just throw a five in on Sunday morning, whatever it may happen to be. But this is my money. And I'm going to do what I want to with my money. And then I'm going to give a little bit to God. And that's nice of me to give a little bit to God. And it's important that we understand that biblically, everything, if I'm a Christian, everything I own, my possessions and my money, it all belongs to Jesus. And he has the right to ask me to do whatever he desires to do with that. And so it's a telling uh, fact there when in verse 41 it says, they gave him everything. They gave him all five loaves and two fish. And as we think about that, for us to be able to see God move in a powerful way in our financial lives, one of the starting points is, and we'll get into a happier truth. This is kind of the tougher truth. Uh, in a minute, we'll get into the happier truth uh, about it. But the tougher truth is this, 
I have to start with the idea that everything I have belongs to God. And I come before him in prayer. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to say, okay, listen, I want you to live in a cardboard box and give 99% of it away. He, he doesn't necessarily desire that, except in maybe a rare circumstance. In most of our lives, though, he desires for us to live modestly and to use what we can for the kingdom of God. But within that, we need to understand that he owns everything that I have. And at any point, if he says, okay, I want you to not use that anymore, but instead I want you to give it away, Jesus has the right to use any of the money that I have at any time to do anything he wants. Now, we don't like that. But if we want to see God move in a powerful way, if we want to see God make a difference through us in the kingdom of God with our finances, we have to come to the starting point of not saying, okay, now, God, listen, I own all this. If, if you ask for a knife, I might give you a little bit of what I have. But instead, we need to come and say, Jesus, you saved my soul. Everything that I have belongs to you. Everything that I have belongs to you. Whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do. I'm reminded, I told the story Wednesday night in the discussion that we had. I was watching a video the other day, and Matt uh, Chandler told a story of um, he, he and his wife had moved into a new house, and the, the carpets were just terrible in there. The former family had had white carpet in there, and they had young children, and, and Matt goes, you know, they had invented colors on that carpet. It was so crazy. And so they had been saving up money to buy new carpet, and they were about two months away from having enough. And then he said, and then I, I, with about two months ago, he said, one day I started to get this feeling that God was going to ask me to do something else with that money. He said, so what I did real quick was I went to my wife and said, hey, honey, let's go buy some carpet right now. And then he said, so if I did that, then afterwards, um, when I bought the carpet and then God spoke to me again, it was like, I want you to spend it on this. He goes, now I could just say, well, you know, Jesus, if you'd just been a little clearer, I would have done that. But, you know, now it's too late. We've already bought the carpet. And so he goes to his wife and he says, hey, we, we, let's go buy the carpet today. And she asked why, and, and it was in that moment it finally hit him. And he said, I came to realize in that moment that God was giving me a choice between, on that particular issue, and God doesn't always do that, but on that particular issue, God was giving me a difference between sowing into his kingdom to see people's lives change or having glory. And he said, I was ready to choose glory. But the truth this morning is that Jesus has the right. God the Father has the right because I'm a Christian at any point to use any of my resources in any way that he finds pleasing. As you see there in uh, verse 41, they give him they give Jesus everything, the five loaves and the two fish. If we want to see God move in a powerful way in our lives, one of the things we're going to have to do is be willing to give everything financially to Jesus. And then whatever he desires for us to do, be willing to do. That leads us to the fourth thing, which will give us a, a little bit of comfort after that challenging word there. The fourth thing is this. Talk to the Father about your money. Talk to the Father about your money. So in verse 41, we just read and talked about that difficult part where he says, taking the five loaves and the two fish, so they gave Jesus everything. But look at what Jesus does with it. And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the bread, broke the loaves. And so Jesus talks to the Father. He is giving thanks, giving to the Father 
um, for what he has there as he brings it before um, the Father in order to ask him to bless it. And so we too need to bring our finances before the Father and say, Father, what, what do you want me to do with these resources? Am I living in a way that is honoring to you or am I living in too exorbitant a way? Are, are there particular people or ministries that you want me to be giving to? We need to talk to our Heavenly Father about our finances and ask Him for guidance. Now, I said a moment ago, the difficult truth is that everything belongs to God and we need to understand that everything belongs to Jesus. But flip with me for a second back to Matthew chapter 6 for the flip side of that, which is a comforting truth that goes along with when we are actually willing to do that. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. I'm not going to read the whole um, section there, but in verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6, and you can read all the way down through verse 33, um, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Hopping down to verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So the negative side, if you want to call it that, from a human perspective, it's a negative side, is that God wants us, Christ wants us, to entrust our entire finances to him and whatever he asks for us to do, to do. The good side of that, the flip side of that, in terms of something that from a human perspective is a little more attractive, is that when we are willing to do that, when we come before God and we say, everything belongs to you, I'm entrusting all my finances to you, I want to be, I want to be blessed and be a blessing, and so I'm going to do that for the kingdom of God. When we do that, even though that's incredibly difficult, the good side of that is, as I do that, God promises that he will take care of my financial needs. As we talk about the first part there, 25 through 27, that we just read a moment ago, he says, don't worry. Don't, don't get caught up in worrying about all this stuff. What do we do instead? Instead, we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which means we want to see people come to know Christ, and we personally want to become more righteous and become more like God. And look at what 33 says. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What's the all these things? It's everything in the verses back up to 25 that he's talked about. Something to eat, something to drink, something to wear, our, our financial needs. God has promised that if we focus on the kingdom and, our, and, and his righteousness, that he will take care of our financial needs, which is an amazing thing to think about, that we can give our money worries over to God. We don't have to sit there consumed with, how am I going to do this or how am I going to do that? We can give our money worries over to God, and he's promised that he will take care of our financial needs if only we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? To think that he would be willing to do that for us. And so the negative is, from a human perspective, we have to give everything to Christ. But the positive is, as we do that, he will take care of our financial needs. And I can tell you from 25 years, 26 years of, of, of marriage and trying to, to seek imperfectly the kingdom of God and put it first, that again and again and again, God has provided financially for exactly what we need. Now, let's go back to... Uh, Mark chapter 6 for a second. 
because I want to mention one more thing before we go on to the last point. And that's uh, also a challenging truth. It says in 41, we read it a moment ago, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. The, the image of brokenness there is one that I think we need to hold on to also. And, and the relevance to it here is many of us, well, not many of us, all of us come out of perhaps the most materialistic, consumeristic culture that has ever existed. America loves stuff. We love money. I've told you before, I think the God of America is money. That's what we worship. That's what we pursue. And we are called, instead as Christians, to worship Christ and to follow him. And so in living in a culture where we worship money, there may be, as Christ is trying to move us to the point where we give our money to the kingdom and we focus on what God desires to do, there may be between this point and this point that God has to break us a little bit. There, there may be some brokenness involved where God has to change the, what we've learned growing up in terms of what's important over to the image that he desires for us to have in terms of pursuing the kingdom of God and making that our first priority. When we grow up saying, with everybody saying, the measure of who's succeeding is how much money you have and how much stuff you have. And in the kingdom of God, Jesus says, the measure of who's successful is who loves God the most and who loves their brother and sister as themselves. Those are two different things, aren't they? And so we may, for God to get us from here over to here, there may be some brokenness involved. There may be some financial brokenness involved in order to get it through our heads. But listen, it's not about how much money you have in the bank. It's not about how much stuff you own. But instead, it's about Jesus Christ, his kingdom, and helping people and ourselves to become more like him. Amen? And so we need to understand that along the way, there may be some times where financially we get broken a little bit in order for God to move us to the place where we prioritize his kingdom first. That leads us to the last thing. And that's also in 41. We need to relish the opportunity to be a channel for God's blessing. We need to relish the opportunity to be a channel for God's blessing. Looking at 41, it goes down through and says, we read the first part a moment ago, then he gave them, speaking of the fish and the loaves, then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. I want you to think for just a second about what it would have been like, not like the crowds, we'll talk about the crowds in a second, but think about what it would have been like to be the disciples in doing this. So they're with Jesus, they see how little there is, they start out, they're like, this isn't gonna work, but as they go, they see people getting enough to eat and they see people thankful that there's something to, to munch on when they're so far away from everything. They go and they see the smiles on people's faces and within themselves as they go around, they see as, you know, every time they look in the basket, there's still stuff there when it should have already been gone. Think of the joy that they got in that moment being a part of what God was doing. They were a channel for Jesus' blessing there. And when we talk about finances, a lot of times we have the prosperity gospel and people say, you know, we want God to bless us so that we can go and live in that exorbitant lifestyle, so that we can go and have everything that we desire. 
we were um, uh, we played golf last Saturday. I got to play with the the three my three boys last Saturday, and we were out. And I need to preface the story for those of you that don't know much about my family. My boys and I playing golf is here's the way it always goes when my boys and I play golf. I'm gonna lose. That's it. That's it. I'm gonna lose. That's the whole story. So so we go out last Saturday and. Uh, and we're playing, and through 12 holes, in what can only be regarded as a divine intervention miracle, I'm winning. After 12 holes, I'm winning. But all the way through, Ryan, especially Ryan, kept going, "Man, Dad, you know, you're you're really making putts today, and you're playing good." And my response was over and over again, "I'm like, Ryan, don't worry, it's going to fall apart. Don't don't worry, it's going to fall apart." And so, sure enough, it fell apart. The last um, uh, six holes. Whoosh, everything collapsed. And I went from first place, let's just say to not first place. Let's just put it like that. And so I, it all fell apart. So afterwards, Ryan, who knows I'm not a Joel Osteen fan, Ryan goes, Dad, you know what you need to do when you go out and, and, and play golf? You need to speak Joel Osteen truth in your life. I'm going to birdie this hole. I'm going to have abundance. I'm going to win this match. And I'm like, Ryan, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But that whole idea of I'm just going to speak abundance into my life and then God's going to bless me and then I can have everything I want. I'm going to win the golf match. I'm going to have a giant house. I'm going to have this huge car. That's not what it's about. Look at what they do here. When they are, when the blessing comes from Christ, it isn't so they can all have more than they need, but it's so they can go out and share with everybody else and see God move in a powerful way through other people's lives. If you think financial blessings are so that you can hoard it and have a ton of money instead of going out and making an impact for the kingdom, then you don't understand why God is blessing you. God doesn't bless us so we can hoard, but so that we can point people to Jesus Christ. And as you look there, look at how much God was able to do through, well, how much Jesus was able to do at the end of 43 through this little amount that they had, the five loaves and the two fish. Verse 44 says, the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Now, we talked about this as the feeding of the 5,000, but that's inaccurate because there were women and children there as well. Maybe we should call it the feeding of the 20,000, something like that. The number was much bigger than 5,000. And yet God is able to do that great thing through these few people who took what they had, gave it to Jesus, and trusted that he was going to move in a powerful way. I wonder within the lives of the church today, when we think about our financial resources, many of us are holding on to materialism and wanting to have more stuff for us. Many of us just think that the money belongs to us and we're not giving it away. Many think, well, you know, I can't do anything to change the entire world, so why should I help the one situation in front of me? What would happen if every Christian in America, instead of holding on to all those things, said, Jesus, everything belongs to you that I own, and I want to be a blessing for you. Put people in front of me that I can, through the money that I have, point people to Jesus Christ. Think of how many people could be pointed to Jesus through Christians using their money not to hoard as good Americans, but to spend as people who desire more than anything else the expansion of the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, I ask your forgiveness this morning for how often we're really good Americans with our money. 
and not very good Christians. And Father, I pray today in each of our lives, for the ones that are here or listening on the live stream, I pray that you would help us to honestly ask whether we trust you with all of our money and whether we want to see the resources you've poured into our lives used to point people to Jesus. It doesn't start with us selling our house and selling all our possessions and living in a cardboard box, but it does start with us asking what you want us to do with our money. I pray that we'd have the guts to ask you that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.